How many of you know he's a good God? How many of you know he's a faithful God? Hallelujah. Turn to tell your neighbor, say, something supernatural happens when you believe God. Turn and tell somebody else. I want you to let that sink in. Things that never should have happened for you, healings that didn't belong to you, things that you should not qualify for, something supernatural happens when you believe God. Come on and grab your Bible. Let's make our confession. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am about to be taught the life-changing word of faith. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing and hearing. And hearing and hearing. And after I have heard and conceived, I will give birth to what God said. Today is my conception day. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You can be seated. Last week I taught you, I taught you from a subject, I dare you to believe God. And so I am stared in my faith, and I hope that you are stared in your faith. And I want to tell you that faith has a position. Faith has a position. And when you get in faith, we can always tell you're in faith by how you respond to life's challenges. And so some of the challenges sometimes for people is that you have not fully decided that what God's word says is true. So then every time something happens that looks different than what God said, you start wavering back and forth. It's like when Jesus told his disciples to go to the other side, and then there was a storm. And then they thought that because there was a storm, that the storm could stop them from going to the other side. You've got to get to the point in your life that when God tells you something is yours, you're not moved by storms. You've got to get to the point in your life where when God says something is yours, you are not moved by storms, but you use your faith to move your storm. Hallelujah. So we're just going to go back over to some of the scriptures. Um, I'm missing something. Um, Chris, can you go to my car and see if there's a sheet of paper in the back seat? Just a sheet of typing paper with some notes on it. So I was talking about believing God. And the first message last night was, um, oh, never mind, babe, I got it, was I dare you to believe God. So I'm going to go over that a little bit, and then I'm going to talk to you from the message today, which is that faith has a stance. Faith has a stance. So let's just recap a little bit from last week. I hope you have your notes. I hope you're taking notes. I hope you remember what we taught, is, which is that um, the average human being breaks focus six times in a minute, which means that every 10 seconds you lose focus, which is why you should take notes and you should listen to the message because you don't hear near as much as you think you hear. That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing again. And one of the biggest mistakes for intelligent people is that you think that because you can articulate something that you have conceived it. You think that because you can say it, because you can finish the sentence, that you own it. 
And the owning in the kingdom is not that you can say it, it's that it begins to produce something on the inside of you. Faith is designed to produce something. So I said, I dare you to believe God, and I told you that the word dare meant to have the courage to do something. And I told you that courage was, in the, was strength in the face of whatever. So I am daring you to have the courage to have the strength to believe God no matter what it looks like. Say, I believe God, I believe God. no matter what it looks like. So in Mark 9 and 23, it says, all things are possible to those who believe. Really, what it says is this. It says there are some things that are in the realm of impossibility. And the moment that you believe God, what was impossible steps out of impossibility and comes into your realm of possibility. It is the reason that we can release a word that says that someone is going to buy a house before the end of this year. And then somebody with a 300 credit score will have a house by the end of this year. And somebody with a 600 credit score won't because the person with the 300 store stopped looking at themselves and started looking at God. And then they took what was impossible and brought it into the realm of possibility. And that now they live where they're not supposed to be able to live. I believe that we are in a season where your faith is going to take you in places, in rooms, in houses, in spaces that you never should have been in, but you used your faith and you went and grabbed what was impossible and brought it into possibility. Hallelujah. Faith is complete trust and confidence in God. It's complete trust and confidence in God. You know how you get complete trust and confidence in God? Train yourself. You train yourself. The Bible says that to every man is given the measure of faith, but what I do with my faith is up to me. That's just like every man and woman has abs. Whether we can see them or not, it's based on what you do. Whether we can see your faith or not, it's based on what you do, not when you're in here, but what you do when life comes against you during the week. Your faith should be seen. Tell your neighbor, say, my faith is not a secret. My faith should be seen. Hallelujah. So we went to Hebrews 11 and 1, and we begin to walk through those scriptures. Because I'm just recapping now. I dare you to believe God to get you to part two, which is faith has a stance. It says, now, faith is the substance. Faith is the substance of the thing that I'm hoping for. It literally means this. It means there were some things I did not know that I should hope for. Then I got a word from God. That word of God became a chemical, which now gave me the fortitude to stand and hope for what I should not have qualified for. Before I go on, Pastor Ellen, I want you to come and use the example that we talked about that you said you wanted to use on Sunday. Yeah, can you do that? Thank you. Sean was talking about this idea of this chemical, and when she was saying it, I was saying to her that, you know, chemical reactions, when they take place, actually form something new that hadn't existed before. And I was saying that if you take uh, concrete and you take water and you mix it together, it has a chemical reaction. That chemical reaction becomes what we know as concrete. Well, it's... It, okay, so you, 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 you take cement and water, it becomes concrete. The concrete is the thing that's solid. It's the thing that holds up everything that you're using. And I was saying to her that when she said that, what it, what it said to me was, is that so many of us, myself included, we know about the mechanics of faith. We know about the ABCs of faith. We know the asking part, the believing part. We know about the confessing part. 
But unless that's really mixed with your believing, you never get manifestation. It, it's, it's, it's the same way that you can go to a store and pick up a bag of cement. Well, you don't want to stand on that cement because it's just in powder form. But when you mix it with water, it creates a chemical reaction that changes it into something that it's never been. And the issue for many of us is we get frustrated because we can articulate what faith is. We can define what faith is. We can even share stories about what faith is. But that's just the mechanics of it. You know, and I, and I, and I was thinking about it even this morning coming to church. How many of you have ever been in a math class? And in that math class, the teacher was working a problem. And while the teacher was working the problem, you could work the problem. You saw the teacher on the board. You saw the teacher go through the steps. You saw the teacher do it. You was like, bam, I got this. But then you got home, and, and the problem only changed a little bit. And you was just as, as, as flabbergasted like you had never sat in the class. It's because you had the mechanics of doing the math problem, but you had no conceptual understanding. And for many of us, we have been learning for years about the mechanics of faith, but it's time to take that from the mechanics to the conceptual understanding and how that actually works in our life. That's good, babe. That's good. And the reality of it is the only way to activate faith is to move. It's to move. You can write all the notes you want. You can make all the positive declarations you want. You can sow all the seeds you want. But if you don't begin to step into something, that's why it says now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And then it tells you, it says, for by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Your faith is supposed to move you into a good report. Your faith is supposed to move you into a good report. Here's what the doctor said. My faith moved me into health. Here's what my credit report said. My faith moved me into the house. Here's what the educational requirement said. My faith moved me into the job. Here's what my marriage looked like. My faith moved me into days of heaven on earth. My faith is supposed to get me a good report. It should move me. Verse 3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Anytime God wants to change your life, he's going to start with a word. When God wants to change your life, he's going to start with a word. When it was dark, God started with a word. Let there be light. When it's dark in your life, he's going to give you a word. And that word is designed to give you the thing that you don't have. The challenge for many of you is that you have never disciplined yourself to use your faith outside of church. What do I mean? When your money get funny, you don't say what God said. When your body hurts, you don't say. Everybody in my family can tell you, anybody I ever talk to, if you tell me that you hurting in your body, whether you got a headache or a hangnail, I'm going to tell you to do one thing, pull out healing scriptures. Pull out healing scriptures. I don't care what medicine you take. I don't care how you lay down and rest. But while you're doing that, you ought to be listening to hearing healing scriptures. Because here's what I know for a fact. I know that for a fact there are people who take medicine and nothing changes. I know for a fact that you can take a medicine and nothing can break through. But you cannot take the word and mix it in your heart and not get healed. So you can't get him a mic. He go, he go, he go say some other stuff too. I can tell you. 
It has to get to, and, and, and here's the thing, people get aggravated and they go, I don't want to hear about the word. You know what I hear when you say that? You don't want to change your life. When you tell me that you're in a pressure situation and you don't want to hear the word, all I heard you say is, I don't want to change my life. Because the word, according to Hebrews 4 and 12, it says it has power. It is alive. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing the soul and the spirit. Your spirit always want to hear the word. You know what gets aggravated when we talk about the word? Your raggedy soul. Your soul. I don't want to hear nothing about no word right now. I'm just trying to keep it real. Stay broke. Stay sick. Stay raggedy. Stay jacked up. Stay depressed. Stay anxious. People will literally come and ask for a solution. I will say, Pastor will say, Pastor Chris will say, Chandra will say, here is what the word says. And you say, is there something else I can do? Yeah, stay like you are. Because all I know is to give you the word. You can come up whenever you want to. I can tell. I can tell. So, so I can so, tell. So okay. <laughs> no, I no. I, I'm a really. But but this goes back to something. So I don't know if you saw last week uh, the message that Jimmy put on Facebook about leadership. Did anybody see his message about leadership? Okay. So in, if you didn't see it, let me give you a quick synopsis. He was saying this about leadership. He says in order to be a leader, you got to learn how to effectively wear two hats. You got to be able to lead, but also follow. You got to be able to give advice, but also take advice. The issue for many people is when Pastor Sean was saying that people will come and they'll ask us, they'll ask us information, and then they go, "I don't want to hear all that." We don't only just do it at church; we do it in our own personal lives. It's amazing that we will pay a counselor, we will pay a coach, we will pay somebody money, and then we'll go to them, and then when they say something that we don't want to hear, we reject what they said when all they are doing is doing is giving us the information that we don't pay for. So why do, you, why do we spend our time asking for expert advice if we're just going to follow our own? So when he got through saying that the other week, I was just thinking about that, and I put on Facebook, I said, learn to follow your own advice before you start giving advice. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so literally, when she's, talking, uh, when she's talking here and she's saying that what you've got to learn to do is to, to hear the word of God and then follow it, when you're, when, and you said raggedy, when your raggedy soul starts to say, oh, I don't want to hear that, it don't take all that, I don't want to do all that, you've got to learn how to battle against your own thoughts because that's the only limiting factor that's stopping you from receiving and doing what you need to do because you got the right information. So you, so you got to learn to be both a leader and a follower when it comes to the word. You got to be able to share the word with other people, but you got to be able to follow the same word that you share it. If you can't follow the word, you ain't got no reason to be trying to share the word. So before you, before you start sweeping around other folks' doors, sweep around your own front door. I want you to hear this. The word work. Flat foot. It works. It produces. Every time. It always does. If it didn't work, it ain't the word. If it did not work, it's not the word. That's why I never fall out with God. 
I don't ever fall out with God because God is perfect and his way is sure. So if something didn't manifest, it is never on God. He is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He doesn't do it and take it back. So if something didn't manifest, it ain't never on God. It's always an opportunity for me to grow up. It says faith is, go back to Hebrews 3, 3. It says the worlds were framed by the word of God. What's framing your life? Some word is framed. There is some word framing your life. I'm just trying to get who words are framing your life. What your mama said? This is the most fascinating thing to me about people, and I'm just, I'm, I, I, I really want to talk to you. People will tell me that they know their mama and daddy is crazy. You know they crazy, but you still believe what they said about you. You know they crazy. You know they didn't parent well. You know they don't feel good about themselves, but you would still hold on to them saying you don't have any value. How much longer before anybody knew you according to Psalms 139? The Bible says that God is the one who reached inside of himself and he formed you. How do you let somebody who just had the privilege to carry you to dictate what God said about you when God said you something else? How much longer are you going to be a victim to what they said and what they did and what the doctor diagnosed? Where is there going to be a faith stand that says, I don't care what they said about me. I don't care how you diagnose me. I am victorious. See, faith got a position. To the faithless, it looks arrogant. Faith always looks arrogant to the faithless. You think it's arrogance. You think it's arrogance when somebody starts saying, I'm never going to be broke another day in my life. You think it's arrogance when somebody says, I'll never be sick another day in my life. You think it's arrogance when somebody says that. I'm not saying it because I'm arrogant. I'm saying it because I know the God that creates everything. It says now the word, help me Holy Ghost, the word will frame your world. So if there is anything in your life that's raggedy, that's broke, that's sick, that's anxious, that's depressed, you hanging on to the wrong word. I just want you to stand up. I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up. I want you to say this. I want you to feel this in your belly. Say, there is nothing that has ever been spoken over me or done to me. That is bigger than what God did in me and what he said about me. No, if some of you felt it, you dance out of depression this morning. If some of you felt it, you step out of that wrong identity this morning. If some of you really believe that you quit being a victim to life, waiting on somebody to rescue you, you would go to the cross and see where he said, it is finished. And you would step out of mess and into victory. Yeah, take your seat, take your seat. See, here's the problem because to, 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 to religious people, 
And to victim people, faith is arrogant. So I was, um, I, I want to walk you through faith is framed by the words, the words. So whatever your faith is in. The problem is not that your faith don't work. It's where your faith is. When your faith say that you can't get a house, your faith works. When your faith say that you get allergies every year, your faith works. When your faith says you can't find love, your marriage can't turn around, nothing will work. Yo, you getting exactly what you believe. Say, my faith always works. That should make you feel good because if your faith always works, if your faith always works, you turn it around. Think about this. I, I, um, I wanted to um, interview somebody who's a faith giant. So I called his wife and said, because, you know, a wife can get a husband to do anything. I said, hey, um, can, can, you, can you get your husband to get on the phone with me because I need to ask him some questions? And I started, she, she said, okay, I'll do it today. And she did. And when he got on the phone, he said, I had to get on the phone with you because my wife was going to beat me black and blue <laughs> if I didn't take this call. Power of a wife. So anyway, as I was talking to him, I said, tell, I, I want to just talk to you about faith. I want to talk to you because I want to understand what you understand about faith that other people don't understand. And so I want to share some of that with you, mixed in with some of my own, our own testimonies. He began to talk, I said, if you could only tell people one thing to do to walk in faith, what would you tell them? He said, I would tell them to inquire of God. I said, oh, we in the right place. Because what do we always say? What did God say? What did God say? So then I said, I said, um, you read the same scriptures as the rest of us. What do you see and understand that the, you don't think the rest of us do? And this is what he said. He said, um, you have to become intimate with the word of God. So you can conceive and give birth. He says most believers play around with the word of God. They have foreplay. <laughs> they have foreplay, but they don't have penetration, which is necessary for conception. The great thing about foreplay is you can get some tinglys off of it, but you can't get a baby. You can feel real good off of some foreplay. And some of you come in here week after week, foreplayed up, and you feel good and good, but you don't get any conception, which is why you don't birth anything. He said the job of the word is to penetrate you and produce what didn't exist. The job of the word is to penetrate you to produce what didn't produce. Ah, that's nice. Some of you get intimate with the word. Some of you get intimate with the word for entertainment, not to reproduce. Reproduce. 
You, 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 it ain't that you don't do it. <laughs> it's that you ain't trying to produce nothing out of it. It ain't that you don't pray. It ain't that you don't give. It ain't that you don't tithe. It ain't that you don't fast. It's that you ain't trying to produce nothing out of it. So you get your fix into doing it, but you don't never birth nothing. He said, um, the job of a believer is to believe. And the word will get in you so big that it will cause you to produce something that did not exist. I've had four babies. I've actually birthed four babies. Same egg, I mean, egg from the same person, sperm from the same person. Different baby every time with similar characteristics. So if I receive his seed, when you look at what I produce, it ought to look like both of us. So when I receive from God the seed of the word, what I produce should never just be natural. It should be supernatural because it should look like both of us. All over the world, people want a mini-me. Everybody want a mini-me. Everybody calling their kids mini-me. Some of y'all, I want to tell you, your kid does not look like you. They do not look like you. They're not a mini-me to you. They look like their daddy. I don't care that you don't like their daddy. They look just like their daddy. But people so understand the concept of reproduction that you will take something that doesn't look like you and try to make it look like you. Because it should look like you. We'll be out somewhere. The, the truth of it is, is that Kristen is actually my oldest daughter. And we'll be out somewhere and Kristen will do something. And everybody will say, she act just like mom. She should. I marked her. What's the mark on you? What's the mark on you? How is God the healer? How is God your healer, but you still marked by all the sickness and anxiety and stress? If you walk with anybody any length of time, because we've been hanging with Valley so long, Valley says this thing. Now everybody in my family says it. Oh, man. Valley don't even have to be there. Something will happen and one of my kids will go, oh, man, because there ought to be something on you when you have been in the presence of somebody. You shouldn't be in the presence of wealth and stay broke. You shouldn't be in the presence of wholeness and stay broken. Anything you spend time with, you become like. That's why when Jacob got ready to leave and he wanted to leave and Laban didn't want him to leave, he said to Laban, he says, give me, all, listen to what happens. He says, give me all of the speckled animals. That's how we will distinguish my animals from your animals. If you go and read the story, the Bible says the same day Laban removed all of the speckled animals. 
Now, Jacob is supposed to get his harvest off of speckled animals that multiply, except Laban took all of the speckled animals. Jacob said, that's cool, because I understand something about reproduction. So he takes sticks and makes some speckled. He strips the bark off of it until they become speckled. And then he sets them up so when they eat, and if you read it in translation, it says not only when they eat, but when they mate, they see speckled. And then two solid color animals start producing speckled animals. Because what you behold, you become. And I know what you're looking at by what you're producing. You become what you look at. I want you to hear me. I believe in counseling. I believe in doctors. I believe in therapy. But if you look at what they say more than what God says, the only remedy you will ever have is whatever they can give you. Faith has a stance. So anyway, I was talking to him, and he was saying, he was saying, faith takes a position. And when he began to talk about it, I immediately thought of Jordan. I thought about when they said that Jordan would never talk. It wasn't nothing in me. I ain't care nothing, hear me. I ain't care nothing about what they was talking about. I needed them for one purpose. Give me the diagnosis and the symptoms so I can go to work. I only needed your information. Yes, ma'am, Miss Therapist. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Can I get that report? Yes, doctor. Yes. Can I get this report right here? I literally would take the report and everything they said she couldn't do. We would begin to make confessions and we would begin to aggressively activate our faith and go after it day by day by day by day. Even when it looked like nothing was happening, we didn't get moved because for us, her not speaking was not an option. You haven't taken a stance because being broke is still an option. Living paycheck to paycheck, managing it, not having no savings, running out of money, being stressed out, not being able to take a vacation, never being able to sow a significant seed, you're okay with it. Because when people get sick and tired of being sick and tired, they take a posture. You change your stance. You change your position. When you get sick and tired of a raggedy marriage, you'll do whatever it takes to be free. When you get sick and tired of your stuff, you follow instructions. You just follow instructions. You just keep saying it. You keep saying it. You keep saying it. You keep saying it. So many people, because it's always somebody when you believe in God for something, people always trying to help you. People always trying to help you. Well-intended, non-faith people. And you got to be careful about taking advice from people who don't have no faith. I don't take advice from people who don't have faith. No, I'm serious. I, I want you to hear me. I can take advice from a millionaire who believes they can be a millionaire. I don't care if they don't believe in Jesus because they at least believe they can be a millionaire. That's what I need to know. 
But if you don't believe in healing, I don't take no advice from you about no healing. What you know? Why would I take your advice? Why would I care about your story about the other people who didn't get healed? What they got to do with me? It's so amazing to me that you want to be extraordinary in every category, but when it comes time to breaking barriers, now you're averaging you just like everybody else. So when we were standing in faith with Jordan, tell your neighbor, say, faith is aggressive. Tell your neighbor, say, in fact, faith is so aggressive that it's irritating. Faith is so aggressive that it's irritating. Because when everybody else is talking about what can't happen, faith is still standing there talking about, we believe we receive. We believe it's already done. We believe that Jordan will speak. Listen, I know this. The people in our neighborhood, they thought we was crazy to believe God for Jordan to speak. We know they do because parents talk to in front of their kids. And kids listen. And so kids came to our house and told us that their mama said, that we should stop because Jordan was made that way and she wasn't going to talk. And the boys who was in first and second grade at that time said, we believe Jordan go speak. And if you don't believe Jordan go speak, you get out and don't come back. Because everybody in this house believe Jordan go speak. That's why I don't rock with everybody. If you ain't got no faith, I'll... We can be cool, we can dap, we can hug, but at the end of the day, I don't sit down and break bread with people who don't believe God. Because when I'm trying to believe for something supernatural, I don't need any well-meaning Job friends. Maybe you should just curse God and die. No, I need somebody that's like, hold on, let me get some of my faith involved in your faith. You believing for a house? Let me tell you these 15 testimonies about people that got houses. Because I see you in a house. You cannot get something new looking at what's old. Rehearsing what they said. Going back to your bad behavior. Saying the same old stuff. Let me keep going. People, this is how faith ought to be. I thought this was such a good example. He said, when you bring a baby home from the, car, um, from the hospital, you put them in a car seat. So one of the first things the baby does is start sitting in something that holds it. The baby gets older, you put it in a bassinet, you put it in a bouncy chair, you put it in a high chair, you put it in a toddler seat. He said by the time the baby is a six-year-old, it never questions whether a chair will hold it. You ought to spend so much time with the word that you never question whether it'll hold you or not. You ought to spend so much time with what God said. You never see a six-year-old going, Mommy, is it safe to sit in this chair? Do you think this chair will hold me? Why? Because over and over, they've been indoctrinated that when they sit in something, it'll hold it. You have to get indoctrinated to the fact that if I speak the word, if I put the word in my heart, it will produce. Matter of fact, it produced the moment that I believe. Now I'm just waiting on time. I'm just trying to bring my future into my present, which is why I don't have time to be making negative confessions and feeling sorry for myself. I have never seen so many believers who can't stay up a whole week. You can't stay in a good mood a whole week. You can't discipline yourself to not fall off the wagon a week. Because you don't sit in that word. Because everything else has your attention. 
Everything else has your attention. You know more about television shows. You know more about raggedy people's lives. You know more about your past than about what God said. You don't sit in the word to produce. Just foreplay. You can get a little relief on foreplay. But you don't give birth. This is what faith looks like. So the person I was speaking to has had several airplanes. He said, this is what faith looks like. We go from faith to faith to glory to glory. It's a very practical example so you can take it for your life. He said, when my wife and I used to fly coach, I started studying the people in first class because I knew I didn't want to be in coach. Aha, there we go. He said, I noticed that the men in first class always had a suit jacket. So I started traveling wearing a suit jacket. He said, I still had a coach ticket, but I had a jacket like first class. He said, then I started noticing that the people of the first class got on the plane first. So when they called first class, I started standing up. He said, you go as far as your faith can take you. He said, I didn't have a first class seat, so I didn't get in the first class line. He said, but I started becoming the first person in coach to go in out the first class. He said, so I got on my suit jacket because that's as far as my faith will take me. He said, yeah, I got a coach ticket in my hand, but in my mind, I sit in first class. There are things that you can't get to because your mind hasn't gone there. You can't see yourself with a degree. You can't see yourself happily married. You can't see yourself without pain in your body. You can't see. And see, you got to be careful because a lot of these T-shirts and a lot of this stuff that you see now that seems really positive, that stuff is really just helping you get a faithless complex. Here's an example. I ain't for everybody. What a dumb statement. What a dumb statement. You walk around proud, I ain't for everybody, and then wondering why the people you're trying to attract to your life can't come to your life because you ain't for everybody. <laughs> Everything is cute. In fact, one of the biggest deceptions of the enemy is to use graphic images to get you to agree with him. He gets you to you, he gets you to lock a t-shirt and you wear the t-shirt walking around and everybody who see it and now prophesying over you, she ain't for everybody, she ain't for everybody, she ain't for everybody. Now 5,000 people today done told you you ain't for everybody and you wonder why you ain't got no favor on your life. Because the enemy understands that the word works. So the enemy understands that if he can get you to see, ain't no good men. One of the dumbest things ever said. Ain't no good men. You don't need but one, no way. And if you can't identify good, the problem ain't the men, it's you. Ain't no good men, then you find your five or six sisters. We go get together. Ain't no good men. Ain't no good men. Ain't no good men. Ain't no good man. I can't find a good man. You keep prophesying ain't no good man. You keep, in, you keep being intimate with what you don't want, which is why you keep bringing what you don't want into your life. Because you so intimate with what you don't want. So you keep conceiving it. 
Far as I can tell, in every generation I ever been in, every generation I can look back and see, it's always been some good men. Somewhere. And here's the interesting thing. You will have good men as examples in front of you, and you still focus on Jack who broke your heart when you were 15. All right, I'm almost done. The job of a renewed mind is to level the playing field. A renewed mind levels the playing field. A renewed mind levels the playing field. That's all that happened to Misty. The renewed mind leveled the playing field because the battles are won in the mind. You don't win battles of sickness in your body. You win them in your mind. When you win them in your mind, your mind starts partnering with the Holy Spirit to produce and the medicine and the medicine to produce what God said. So, here is what has to happen. I want to give you this and then we're going to get out of here. The conception process in the kingdom. The conception process in the kingdom is mind, vision, mouth. Mind, vision, mouth. I conceive something in my mind. The thing in my mind becomes a vision. That vision causes me to say something. Guys, everybody knows what everybody sees in your head based on what you say. It's not a secret. Your Facebook status, your tweets, your, your, your IG, everything you're saying, it tells us what you see. So every time you're losing, it's because you study in defeat. So it's mind, vision, mouth. I said, Edwin said, Tamara said, Chris said, Taylor said, Chase said, and Caleb said, Jordan could talk long before she did. Long before she did. Over and over and over again. And there's this really neat thing in the Bible that says that whenever you plant a seed, First, you get a blade. And the first blade was that Jordan spoke a language that none of the adults understood, but Chase and Caleb did. When she started speaking and they could understand her language, we knew it was just a matter of time before we could. That's why you ought to get to the point that a raise of $2 it's proof that you go into 100,000. It's just a blade. It's just a blade. It's just a blade. It's just a blade. If they call me for a job and God say don't take it, it's just a blade. If I find $5 on the ground, it's just a blade. Because you got to be rich before you can be rich. You got to be rich before you can be rich. There's a new show on, time, uh, on TV, and basically the guy who is a billionaire is going in undercover 
to prove that he can make a million dollars in 90 days. And the reason that he can make a million dollars in 90 days is because he got a million dollars inside of him. You can never produce from outside of you. That's why when you have kids, you don't have kittens. No, no, hear me. That's why when you give birth, you don't give birth to piglets. Because you can only give birth to what's on the inside of you. So the reason that he believes that he can make a million dollars starting from nothing is because he already got millions on the inside of him. Y'all are asking God to give you what you don't know you are. That's why you have to say, heal me, heal me. Lord, give me some money. Will you just come through? Lord, will you just give me some relief? Will you just come through? He says, Luke 4, my, one of my favorite scriptures, Luke 4. He goes into the synagogue. He says, I came to set the captives free. He came to set the captives free over 2,000 years ago before he went to the cross. He came to set the captives free. On the cross, he said these words right here. He says, it is finished. So if you bound today, it ain't because he didn't set you free. It's because you don't know you've been set free. It's like the elephant string. They start training an elephant with that rope when they little, and then they can hold an elephant with a string that he could break and knock down the whole tent. You're an elephant trapped by a string because you don't know you could just move your foot and not be there anymore. Well, Pastor Sean, what do I do when thoughts tell me that I'm nothing? Tell them to shut up. Dr. Dollar said years ago, he says, I cannot stop a bird from flying over my head, but I can stop you from building a nest in my head. Everybody got crazy thoughts. Everybody has, say it with me, everybody has crazy thoughts. The difference between the people who are victorious are the people who cast them down. Everybody, the enemy try everybody. Nobody's immune. He tells everybody, you ain't nothing. You can't do it. You depressed. You sad. You ought to smoke cigarettes. You ought to hit that person in the crosswalk. He tell everybody all that kind of stuff. He said to everybody, you are not special. That is his tactic. He says to everybody, he says to everybody, they talking about you. They don't like you. They don't want you. They don't love you. You not valuable. You funny looking. He said to everybody. Everybody, you are not special. Everybody been told they were nothing. Everybody been told they weren't smart. Everybody been told they couldn't make it. You know the difference is the people who believe in the people say, man, shut up. I'm not trying to make light of anybody's situation. I am saying that you got to have some fortitude. That when the enemy says to you, you should just take your life and die, you say, what I'm not going to do is die. Matter of fact, I'm going to live and declare the works of the Lord. Now, that's what I'm going to do. And you start saying stuff like this. You'll be like, you know what? And I probably wasn't going to live for the Lord, but since you're talking crazy to me, I'm going to win some people to the Lord because you're trying to get me to kill myself because I ain't going nowhere. I remember years ago. When my grandmother, I, I didn't grow up in a church that knew anything about healing. We know nothing about healing. I say this, people laugh. My mama get mad when I say it, but it's the facts. Everybody who was on our sick and shut-in list, 
stayed till they died. Sometimes 10, 15 years. We'd be up at church praying, Lord, stop by and see them. Stop by, Lord. Go by the hospital, Lord, this morning. Touch, Lord. Stop by. Because so many people still have that Job mentality. And I want to call this out because it's important. That Job mentality says, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. That is Old Testament dispensation. No believer in the present time should ever let that come out of their mouth. He does not slay us. That was Job's revelation with no understanding of the devil, no understanding of redemption, and no understanding of the Holy Spirit. That mess, though he slay me. He don't slay me. He's the one who rescued me and brought me back to life. Because at the end of the day, if he slayed you, who got you up? So we went to a church, man. Listen, they, I, I love my church. I learned about a lot of Bible stories. I learned that God was good. I learned I was saved. But I ain't learned nothing about nothing supernatural growing up. And I remember when my grandmother was diagnosed with cancer. And I remember that something on the inside of me was just like, I'm reading my Bible. How do we believe in healing? And don't nobody get healed. I start asking these questions and studying and trying to understand healing. And I remember one day um, that I was at home and I had a conversation with the enemy. And he said to me, he said, um, if you will give me your life, I'll save your grandmother. Something rose up on the inside of me. And I was like, I may not know how to manifest healing, but I know you ain't my answer. And I got up and walked away from the space that I was sitting in, and I came back and I said, but just for that, it's some people who go get healed because you played with me. So you think it's a game? See, faith got a position. Y'all running from the devil. Faith got a position. Are we playing games? Are we taking people's life? All right, let's go. Watch this. I have spent a lifetime since then learning healing. It is the reason that whether I'm sick or not, Pastor Ellen will tell you, I probably spend every week at least one day listening to healing scriptures. Why? Because I don't ever intend to walk up in another situation and not know how to access it. Because I'm still salty. Because we didn't know. That's what ought to happen when you take a loss. You ought to still be salty. It's at least a hundred people got to get healed from cancer based on what he did to my grandmama. You ought to be like, I'm going to get rich. Because, just because. I'm going to be rich just because I know it's a kid somewhere who can't eat today. So I'm going to have enough money to feed my family and theirs. Just because. If you ever made me feel like nothing, I'm going to know I'm something so I can help somebody else see there. Because faith has a posture. And when people get in faith, this is why we're irritating. When people get in faith, they become singular focused. Everybody knows this about me. If I get in a vein about healing, 
They might as well not talk to me about nothing else. I don't care about nothing else. I don't care about no TV. I don't care about football. I don't care about books. I don't care about memes. All because I'm trying to unlock something. I'm trying to unlock something because the Bible says that the things of this world belong to God, but once revealed, they belong to us. So I'm sitting in a place trying to get some revelation. You spend all that time talking about what you don't have instead of sitting in. You know the 27 bills you can't pay, but not 27 scriptures that tells you he'll pay them. You know the 37 things that's wrong with you, but you don't know the 470 things that he said that was right with you. It's all about what you see. So I said, um, I said, if you were going to give me a piece of advice to share, to live by, what would you tell me? He said, I tell you to take your place and don't ever move. He said, I tell you to take your place and don't ever move. He said, just like you did with Jordan. And see, everybody got something that they don't believe God for, that if you tell the truth, you know the difference between when you're in faith and it will be cool if it happened. Everybody got something in their life that you have gotten in faith for, and you know the difference between when you're in faith and when you're in when it's cool that it would happen. Some of you can't get free from depression and anxiety because it's cool with you to manage it. Because there, I, I, I wish I could, I wish I could explain. Oh, this is the only example I got, and this is a bad example because it's cues in here, but I got to use it. It's a bad. There is something when you get in faith, it activates the dog in you. When you get in faith, there is a position of aggressiveness. You become like a pit bull. You are like, I am going to bite down on my healing and you cannot take it from me. You would have to kill me to get me to let my mouth go. And you ain't going to kill me. When you get in faith, it is like a rod of titanium runs down in your back. And you just become, the Bible says, immovable, always abounding. When you start believing that provision is already yours, and your bank account says one thing, but God says something else, you move toward what God said, trust and provision. When you believe you're supposed to have a house, you pack boxes. You pack boxes. If you believe in for a new house and you ain't got no boxes packed, you ain't believing. Every time we've ever been looking for a house, I pack a box and put it by the front door. We gone. We still live here, but we gone. So we go wrap up with this. For a couple of years, we've been looking for a house. And we go look at houses. But I can't find the thing. I can't find a house that gets so big in my vision that it consumes me. So I see houses I like, 
but I don't see nothing that called to me. So I don't activate my faith because ain't nothing calling. See, faith is like when you know you have a dog. We got a dog. And sometimes she go down the street and we can't see her. But even though we can't see her, we still know we got a dog. We can't see her, and especially at night because she's black and it's dark. We can't see her, but we know we got a dog. So we step out into the darkness in faith that we already know that we got a dog. And we call the dog home. Because we already know that we got a dog. Because we know we got a dog. So we go out and we call your dog. You don't call money because you don't believe you got none. You don't call healing because you don't believe it's yours. Because if you believe it's yours, you'll stand on the front porch and say, Gidget! Come! Sometimes when you first say it, now, now let, me, let me add a little twist to it. Get you kind of old and she's hard of hearing. So sometimes we're not even sure. We're not even sure. We're not even sure I'm helping somebody. I'm helping somebody. Your dreams are hard of hearing because you ain't talked to them in so long. They don't, they, 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 they think they hear something. But they not really sure. They like, uh, is that Keedron? Oh, no, no, no. This grass is good. Let me stay on over here. Well, when you really believe, we say it again. We say, Gidget, come here. Sometimes she come in 30 seconds. Sometimes she come in 15 minutes. Sometimes we have to go down the street and look for. But whether she come in 30 seconds, or whether she come in 15 minutes, or whether we have to go look for, what we clear about is that we got a dog. 